0: Scripture reading for today is Philippians 2 1 through 13. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another. As more important than yourselves, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Philippians 2,
1: 1-13. Thank you, Faith. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for the opportunity now we have to open your word, and I just pray that uh, the Holy Spirit would be active in our hearts and our minds. Father, show us the truths that you would have us this morning, and pray that you would empower our pastor to communicate those truths clearly we just thank you, Father, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. morning. Can you uh, take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5? Romans chapter 5. Now, of course, I don't have to remind you. I'll remind those that weren't here two weeks ago. When we studied verse 17 and we learned a number of things that God gives us. He gives us an abundance of grace. He gives us the righteousness of God. Uh, we receive the honor to reign with Jesus Christ in the future. We receive the life of God and we receive a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God gives us so much. I had a friend making fun of me because I didn't know how to identify a bird. So I, they, she made fun of me. Well, that's okay. I don't know. I can't identify birds. So if you happen to have an emu in your yard, I wouldn't know it. Anybody have an emu in their yard? No? Maybe? an emu is a very interesting bird. It lives in Australia, usually. Kansas, Australia. An emu has three toes on its foot and it very easily falls over when you push it. Don't push an emu. An emu can only go forward. An emu cannot go backwards. Very much like you. If you are a believer in the promises of God and have been justified by your faith In the work of Jesus Christ you are a believer and because of that belief you move forward you constantly move forward now some of us are faster emus than others but we all move forward it's absolutely impossible for you to go backwards like an emu you will never see going backwards. You'll never see a Christian going backwards. The believer always goes forward. Ask me why. Because of so much things you have that we've learned in chapter 5. So many things that I made a chart for you. Okay? You're not going to have time to write this all down because we've written it down in the past several sermons on the book of Romans. You remember we started in verse 1. We started talking about the difference between Jesus Christ and Adam. We found out a number of things about Adam. We found out a number of things about Jesus. And accordingly, we added things that we learned about the believer. We learned that they did certain acts... For instance, Adam did an act of disobedience. He had one sin, and by that one man, he sinned once. Jesus did an act. He did obedience. He did one work of grace by one Savior. One work of grace. Now, the interesting thing is the believer has to be a part of one of those two groups, either disobedience or obedience. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you receive peace with God, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. You receive peace if you follow Jesus Christ, because of his work of obedience. Third, there are results that come from Adam. Because of his disobedience, we learned he he produced, resulted in death in this world. In other words, death came into this world because of Adam's sin. Before Adam's sin, there was no death. Death came as a result of Adam's sin. Because of Jesus Christ, he had some results as well through his obedience working the work of grace by one Savior, he produced life. Life. So you either have one thing resulting living over you, either death or life. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, moving forward, you will always have the grace of God and the love of God. Remember that? Perfect tense. In verse 5. Because of the work of Jesus Christ and because of the failure of Adam, we have certain reigning kings in our life. One king, if Adam is your leader, you have death that reigns. Death will reign. Death will be the main thing you try to avoid. Death will be the main thing you try to get away from. You try everything you can do to get away from death, but death will rule you. And we talked about how that's a physical, spiritual (laughs) death, an eternal death. But Jesus Christ, doing his work of obedience, producing the possibility of life, gives us grace to reign over us. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the first thing that happens for you to have that grace is you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit then rules your life. That leads to a state of being. The state of being, if you're a follower of Adam, if you have death as your king, you will be in a state of condemnation. Condemnation, punishment. And if you have Jesus Christ as your leader, and have grace reigning over you, you will have justification controlling your life. And if you're a believer, you have peace with God, you have the grace of God, you have the love of God, you have the holy spirit of God. You receive the abundance of grace's righteousness, grace, righteousness, life, and you will reign forever with Jesus Christ. That's what we learned 2 weeks ago in verse 17. So, With all these things, you as a believer are constantly moving forward. You're constantly growing in these areas of your spiritual life. And you can see how you're growing. Hopefully, you should be able to tell the difference between this month and a year ago. There should be a difference in your spiritual walk with God. So let's explain that a little bit more. Verse 18 verse 18 So then as one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men The title this morning or the te- or the point main point is the conclusion And I get that from the first two verses so then The way Paul writes and uses this Greek term, it seems to be a conclusion of his thought. It could be the conclusion of his comparison between Adam and Jesus, which really goes back to verse 1, or at the very least you can say starts at verse 12, but it has to be now a conclusion. So there are a lot of terms that we've already covered that we won't spend too much time on this morning. To explain, because we did that already in our sermons. But I want you to notice the conclusion. What can either Adam or Jesus Christ do for the sinner? What can either Adam or Jesus Christ do for the sinner? And we're going to try to do it based upon the subject either Adam or Jesus Christ. So Paul starts with Adam. So we'll start with Adam. What does Adam do? Notice the middle of the verse. Verse 18, the middle of the verse. There resulted condemnation. There resulted condemnation. The first thing that Adam does for us is he makes a legal judgment that results in punishment. A legal judgment that results in punishment. Adam, because of Adam's sin... Death came into the world, and we are condemned because of Adam's sin. In other words, he makes a legal judgment that results in punishment. Now, the word condemnation actually deals with a legal judgment. The evidence has been looked at, and the judge makes a judgment, and that is the legal judgment that's being made here. Condemnation comes carrying out the sentence of punishment. Punishment. Punishment came to all people because of Adam's sin. That punishment was, as we studied for the last several weeks, death. Death. Death is the evidence that Adam sinned. The death occurs because of the the rejection of God's authority, and Adam went against it and rebelled. And he took of the fruit of the tree. So, verse 15 gives the results of Adam's sin, and here we have God's response in verse 18. Punishment. Condemnation. Condemnation means the defendant is judged guilty of the crime, and is sentenced to be executed. Now, we need to go a little further into this and figure out what happens because of Adam's sin and how that affects us. So the next question I have is how? 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 What happens? Look at the beginning of verse 18. So then as through one transgression, Adam had one misstep Against God. He had one sin. He had one transgression. We have. One false step. By Adam. Uh, The word trespass. As we studied before. Talks about a misstep. Taking a false step. Taking a step that goes against where you are supposed to go. The trespass. Rendered all mankind accountable to condemnation and to death. That's why uh, Ephesians 2 talks about uh, all people are dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You are dead. Now, condemnation came because of Adam's sin. Uh, how did it come? It came because of the one sin that he did. And now the the next question I want to look at is, so what? So what? What's that do to us? Well, if we'll look at the middle of the verse, it says, resulted in condemnation to all men. Condemnation to all men. What can either Adam or Jesus Christ do for the sinner? Well, Adam, all people are physically, spiritually, and eventually eternally dead. All people, all people who are related to Adam will receive condemnation and will be judged and are separated from God spiritually. In other words, they have a lack of joy in this life. And you see that because all their attempts to sin is to get them to be more joyful, they think. Physically, they'll eventually die. The problem with death, physical death, is that there's no opportunity for salvation after you die. Then there's eternal death. Eternal death will happen at the great white throne judgment, and you'll be sentenced, and you'll receive your condemnation, And you'll be put in a lake of fire that will last eternally. And you'll be separated from God forever. When you are in Adam's camp of rebellion, you only have three things to look forward to. Spiritual death, physical death, eternal death. And nothing you do on this earth, either before death or after death, will satisfy you. Because all you have over you is death. Death. Look at verse 19. For as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. What can Adam or Jesus Christ do for the sinner? Well, Adam, what now? What now is the next question. What now? What now is that all people, no matter what they do, no matter what they do, that's important, are in a position of being anti-God. Anti-God. Because of their relationship with Adam, because of being under condemnation, because of his one trespass, because of death reigning over you, you, you have only... You have only one place to be. You are anti-God. Through one man's disobedience, one act of rebellion by Adam, disobedience, the act of being unfaithful to God, and you're made a sinner. You're made a sinner. This is our first verb in these two verses, made. It's aorist tense. In other words, it's a point in time, a point in time, that you stand appointed to an office or a position. You stand appointed. In other words, somebody appoints you to a position on a certain day, and you stand in that position because you have that position. You are appointed to something that is set in place very unique word. Uh, The normal word for uh, made is not found here. That's not here. This only happens a few times in the Bible. And the common word for made is 800 times or whatever it is. All over the place. But that's not the same word. This word means to be appointed. Titus chapter 1 verse 5, it uses the same word and the New American Standards translate it not make or made, but appointed. I like that. King James makes it ordained. I like that even better. So you are ordained to a position. You are placed, appointed a position. <laughs> you ever been picked on and made something? I was in a jury duty one time. And I was picked on and I was made the the foreman. You know, you get appointed to something. That is the word that's used here. You are appointed to something, aorist tense, point in time in the past. You are given something as your title. Notice the word. The many were made sinners. You were appointed to an office, a position, that you're elected to ordained to that you are given to that you have and it's the place of sinner the the Jews had an interesting theory about being a sinner the Jews of that day in the day of Jesus they had a belief in how you were made a sinner get this if you did not have the law of God you were a sinner But if you had the law of God, you were not a sinner. Guess what? The Bible does not preach that. You are not saved because you have a Bible in your lap. That does not save you. By the way, going to church does not save you. Being good does not save you. Everything you do does not have to happen. You see that phrase I put in there? All people, no matter what they do. You don't do something to be a sinner. You are related to Adam, therefore you're a sinner. You have been appointed that title. You are a sinner. A sinner is a person who falls short... Of God's standards. And because of Adam's sin. He transmitted to you. A sin nature. That makes you a sinner. Wait. There's more. We added in our question. What did Adam do for you. Or Jesus do for you. We haven't talked about Jesus yet. Let's talk about Jesus. Okay? I hope you feel kind of low. Because I'm going to bring you up. You ready? Yeah. You don't like the low stuff. Back to verse 18. The end of verse 18. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men, want you to notice the phrase: there resulted justification of life. What can either Adam or Jesus Christ do for the sinner? Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus Christ makes a legal judgment that results in life. Remember, we've talked about justification before. Justification is a legal judgment. It is something you're declared to be. You are declared righteous. You are declared justified. God is the just and the justifier. and He declares you justified if he decides to make a legal judgment upon you. You are given a judgment. And it results in life. It results in life. Now normally we would expect Paul to say eternal life. But he doesn't. He says, Life. Everything about life comes with being justified. (laughs) Here's a bumper sticker for you, you know. Hey, have life, follow Christ. Not following Christ, no life. You are declared a sinner, you are condemned, you have no hope, you're already. Began to experience your punishment. And it will be placed upon you forever at the great white throne. Their results, justification. Justification is where you are declared justified. You are declared righteous. This noun only appears twice in the New Testament, both in Romans. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. And was raised because of our justification. Justification produces acceptance with God. The only way to be accepted by God is to be justified. The only way to have life is to be justified. One pastor put it this way, quote, Our sin had killed him. Our justification raised him because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ was proof of our justification, only because it was necessary to effect it. God justified us, saved us by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That work caused you to have the ability to be justified. If that did not take place, If somebody can prove the resurrection and the death of Christ didn't happen, then we're doomed. We're all sinners. His resurrection made the work of Jesus Christ complete so that a person can be justified. That's why Isaiah 53.11 says, My servant will justify the many. My servant will justify the many. So, here we have What the work of Jesus Christ does for you, he justifies you and gives you life. How? How does he do this? Look at the middle of verse 18 again. Even so, through one act of righteousness. One act of righteousness. How? Jesus Christ had one correct step of following the will of God. He had one correct step of following the will of God. Jesus, of course, we know, did a lot of righteous things. He never sinned. He did everything perfect. But there was one act of righteousness that justifies us and gives us life. What is that one act? Legal judgment where the sinner is declared righteous. Where does it happen? How is it pronounced? How is it given to us? The sin of Adam Adam is contrasted with the righteous act of Jesus Christ. And it has to be referring to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ giving His life on the cross, shedding His blood. And when He did that, He was declared righteous. That act was done, and he was declared righteous. Jesus did something righteous that you and I could not do for ourselves. And by it, we're declared righteous. Look at the end of verse 18. Results, justification of life to all men. What can either Adam or Jesus Christ do for the sinner Jesus Christ? So what? So what? All people who have trusted the promises of God will be justified. Will be justified. By the way, I put the, on the end of that a little phrase there, a little two words, one time. A lot of people have problems with Justification. They seem to think that justification is a process, and it's not. It is not something you do every morning and say, okay, today I need to be justified. It is a one-time act, and that action continues and is accounted to you forever. You are declared righteous. One time. All people, all people that are in Jesus Christ receive justification of life because of the righteous act that Jesus did. The saving faith we have is in the work of Jesus Christ. The plan of salvation was fitted to meet all who declared, who are declared sinners by Adam, but in reality would not, will not be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. One pastor put it this way He says, the purpose of the sun, the sun, out in the sky, wherever it is, over there, where Okay, wherever it is, the sun is designed to give you what? Light so that you see. Now, there are some people that can't see it because they are blind. And there are some people that can't see because they close their eyes. The same thing is going on here with Salvation and being justified to light. Sometimes in order for you to reject the gift of salvation done by Jesus Christ. You have to act like the sun is not there. You have to close your eyes. You say, why doesn't everybody accept Jesus Christ the Savior? Well, because some people willingly close their eyes. The work of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to be imputed to all sinners. Every sinner could be saved. Every sinner could be saved. The work by Jesus Christ on the cross was sufficient to cover everyone. But there are a lot of people that close their eyes. They do it on their own act of rebellion. Justification is attained by saving faith alone. The righteousness that's imputed by the obedience of Christ is far superior than the sin imputed by Adam. All the sin that Adam produced can be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. But there are some people that reject that gift. They say, thanks, but no thanks. And they continue on banging into another wall because their eyes are closed. Another accident, their eyes are closed. Another, they fall into another hole because their eyes are closed. Instead of walking and living life, which only comes through the work of Jesus Christ. Well, what now? What now? Look at the end of verse 19. For many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many were made righteous. Through the obedience of the one, the many were made righteous. Here's our second verb, made. What now? Okay. Now, note takers, don't yell at me. Yes, I know there are a lot of words in this next answer, but they're all important. I cut it down as low as I could. Here you go. What now? All believers, no matter what they do, now I'll explain that in a minute, no matter what they do, are in the position of permanent sanctification and will be completely sanctified at the coming of Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. All believers, no matter what they do, are in the position of permanent sanctification and will be completely sanctified at the coming of Jesus Christ? I'm saying two answers to that question. All believers are in a position of permanent sanctification and will be completely sanctified at the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, there's an interesting rule when you study the Bible. When it sounds like the Bible is saying two different things, but God is saying it. He means two different things. Okay? The Bible says that the moment you are saved, you are set apart, you are sanctified, and you are sanctified forever. You are a child of God forever. You're baptized by the Holy Spirit forever. You are a child of His. You're a co-heir with Jesus Christ forever. You are dwelt by the Holy Spirit forever. You are Unique, set apart, sanctify. And you will be that forever. Then there are other passages that talk about how sanctification is somehow a work that you do, making your life more holy than sinful. Where that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, work in your life and the power of the Word of God, that your life is more holy than, this day than it was a year ago. So that you are more sanctified today than you were a year ago. Okay, here you go. <clears throat> there is a positional sanctification, and there is a practical sanctification. Positionally, you are sanctified when you are saved. When you are justified one time, you are saved and you are sanctified. But there's a practical sanctification that takes place in the scriptures that talk about you continually working on your life to be more pure this week than you were last week, more holy this week than you were last week. And you continually are to be working on making yourself more holy by the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit so that you are more sanctified. And that sanctification will be completed when God calls you home. When you get your resurrected body and you are glorified in heaven, you will be completely sanctified. You'll be as good as you'll ever get when you get to heaven and you are resurrected. No possibility of sin ever. And it happens. What now? It happens through the obedience of the one, an act of submission to the person who hears the command. Obedience is listened to an authority, pronounced, and you submit to their authority and obey. Philippians 2.8 says, Being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Talking about Jesus Christ. When Jesus went to the cross, he humbled himself And he did what God the Father said and he went to the cross and he died on the cross and and he was raised again by God the Father and he was victorious over death. He paid the price for you to be justified, for you to be sanctified, for you to be set apart. He did it all for you. And he did it by humbling himself. By the way, You want to grow in your sanctification? Humble yourself. You are more humble this year than you were last year? Good. Your sanctification is getting stronger. Humble yourself. Romans 16.26 says at the end of it, He has made known to all nations leading to the obedience of faith. Obedience of faith. You have faith. You have obedience. If you grow in your faith you grow in your obedience if you grow in your obedience you're growing in your sanctification you're getting stronger more set apart more holy and many were made righteous that word that verb is for future tense future tense not aorist tense future tense in other words it's pointing forward to the future when you will be completely sanctified when, when God calls you home, you will be completely sanctified. You, you, and it's future passive, by the way. In other words, you can't do it yourself. You can't sanctify yourself. You can't do something, but you respond to the leading, the Holy Spirit. You don't do something by your own will. The believer will receive practical sanctification is accomplished by divine appointment through God and the Holy Spirit, and eliminating what's incompatible with the holiness of God, and you do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you become sanctified. Now, let's talk about sanctification real quick. Real quick. Sanctification is positionally accomplished once for all at salvation. Sanctification is practically accomplished by daily eliminating what is incompatible with the holiness of God. Daily. Sanctification deals with you being set apart to God. Once the Holy Spirit at salvation separates the believer from sin, he continues to make him more and more holy in lifelong process of separation that produces sanctification. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Glorification is when the Holy Spirit's done working in you. And you receive a resurrected body. Romans 8.13 If you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body. You're putting to death the deeds of sin. You're putting to death the deeds of flesh. You are becoming more holy and holy. Now... Here you go. Here you go. Seven things. So I got seven things. Two, four, six, eight. Ten. I got ten things. Ten things. Ten things. Now, listen up. Listen up. Okay? I am your pastor. Okay? There are times where I have to pull out my uh, my uh, shepherd's staff. And i got to get that little hook in the shepherd staff around your neck. Okay? I usually am nice enough to tell you when I'm doing it. I'm doing it now. Okay? Here you go. Ten things that if you want to be more sanctified next week, you will do this week. By the power of the Holy Spirit. You do it by the power of the flesh, it will do you no good. But, if you do it by the power of the Holy Spirit you will grow in your sanctification. You want to know what it is? You want to know all ten? Pretend there's a hook around your neck and I'm yanking on it right now. Here it comes. Study. By the way, I mean study, not read. Study your Bible. This week. Study your Bible this week. Second, have a consistent prayer life. Pray this week. Sometimes I hate to think that maybe you prayed last Sunday and haven't prayed until this Sunday. Pray consistently. Third, Have a time of discipleship or Bible study with somebody spiritually stronger or spiritually weaker than you. You need to be ministering to somebody else in discipleship. Or being discipled. Four, you need to be actively involved in Cumberland Bible Church using your spiritual gifts. That does not mean coming, and being entertained. That means coming and working your spiritual gifts. Use your spiritual gifts. Use your spiritual gifts. You hear me? Use your spiritual gifts. An unhealthy church is a church with people in it that are not using their spiritual gifts. A healthy church is people coming using their spiritual gifts. But pastor, I don't know my spiritual gift. Please don't say that to pastor on the way out, okay? You need to know the top three spiritual gifts you have, and you need to, to be able to tell me, there you go. At the back door, I'll ask you what your three spiritual gifts are. And you will not be let out of the church sanctuary until you have them. And what you're doing on how you're doing... Never mind. Here we go. Four. Five. 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 Be actively sharing the gospel at God-appointed times. God appoints times every week for you to share the gospel. He does it for me. He does it for the elders. He does it for the deacons. He does it for everyone. Five, share the gospel message at God-appointed times. God brings a person into your life who says something silly like saying, boy, my life is terrible. And you have the answer the gospel. And you just share it with them. Six, if you're a father, and I mean this sincerely, if you're a father... Lead your family. Lead your family. Men or husbands, family, parents, dads are not doing it. Fathers, you're commanded in the Bible to lead your family. Seven. If you're a husband, you are to love your wife. Love your wife. The Bible commands you to love your wife. Eight, if you're a wife, the Bible commands you to submit to the leadership of your husband. Now, if your husband is not leading you, you have nothing to submit to. But if your husband is leading you, you are to submit to that leadership. What am I on? Nine, if you're a child, you're to obey your parents. If you have parents, by the way, I don't think there's an end to that until your parents die. When your parents die, you're done obeying them, okay? But obey them. Ten, and this is the hardest one, you need to trust the sovereignty of God. So many times Christians are fighting against the sovereignty of God. We don't like the direction God's taking our lives. Instead of being joyful, we're fighting against God. Trust the sovereignty of God. If you do those 10 things, you'll have a better week than you had last week. You'll grow spiritually. You'll grow in holiness. You'll grow. By the way, this may solve a lot of the problems you're having. And you can't figure out what the problem is. I just gave you the 10 solutions to the problems in your life. Here you go, application. Will I live with a consistent prayer and Bible study, allowing the Holy Spirit to eliminate anything which is incompatible with the holiness of God? Will I live a life, constant prayer, and Bible study, allowing the Holy Spirit to eliminate anything which is incompatible with the holiness of God. Sin and death only have one source, the historical person, Adam. Righteousness and life only have one source, the historical person, Jesus Christ. For Adam's guilt is imputed to us before we committed a personal sin so that Christ's righteousness is imputed to us before we perform any act of obedience. You get sanctified. You get justified. You get life. You accept Jesus Christ. God works in your life. Okay? Here you go. Were any of you with me in San Diego? Okay, good. Well, put your hand down. You don't count. Okay? I'm glad you weren't in San Diego with me. (sighs) Newly married. Get down to San Diego. Buy my wife a house. Buy my wife a new refrigerator. And stupid me, I didn't check the fine print on the refrigerator. It did not come with an ice maker in it. I said, we live in San Diego. It's a desert out here. There's no way I will be able to live without ice. And my wife said it several times as well. Okay, I'm a new husband. I said, I'm bigger than an ice maker. I can handle this. So we get the ice maker. We get all the parts. We lay it out on the ground. Get the instructions. I read the instructions. I say, okay, I can do this. An hour later, the parts are still on the ground, and I'm still looking at the instructions. And I got to say, something's wrong with the instructions. (laughs) Two hours later, I'm beyond reading the instructions. I am now at the point of getting angry at the parts of the ice maker. Another hour later. I am now beyond being angry with the parts. I am being angry with the maker of the parts. I think he's an idiot and I'm calling him such and I'm calling him names, and I'm throwing things at him, even though I can't see him, but he is a terrible person. Four hours later, I've decided to put the parts in wherever I want, however I want, in whatever way I want to do it. Okay? By now, my wife has left the house. And it's getting worse. And you know, if you could lose your salvation, I lost mine that day. But according to my Bible, my justification of life is not dependent upon an ice maker. Or how angry I get at it. Or what I say or what I do, it's based upon the work of Jesus Christ. He is the one that saves. It is His work that appeases God. It is His work that justifies you. It is His work that gives you life and gives it to you abundantly. I don't know how long it was, but when I was done, I called up and made an appointment for somebody to come in and fix the ice maker. And by the way, I learned patience. And by the way, I learned that in the future, anytime my wife has a list, I will call somebody else to do it. Because God is good. And he does things in your life so that you will learn to trust his work of sanctification. And trust that you will grow in yielding to the Holy Spirit's leading. And you will pray and you will trust his word to do what he says. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would work in our hearts, that you would help us, Father, to deal with the stress of living in this world. Help us to understand, Father, that we're citizens of someplace else. Help us to understand, Father, that it's not what we do, but it's what the Holy Spirit does through us that matters. That it is the life that Jesus Christ offers us through the work of justification that God the Father does for us. Help us, Father, to understand that our non-believing friends are going around with their eyes closed, running into walls, running into doors, running into accidents, running into holes, their life is not happy. They may fake it when they're around us, but they're not happy. I pray, Father, that you would give us the right opportunities and the right words to say, to encourage them, to say there's a way to have life, and it's through Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that you would help us to get our eyes focused on you, that we would get focused on giving you glory, that seeking to do what you want done. Help us, Father, to see you as the authority in our life that we are to obey. I pray, Father, that we would obey you humbly. Humble obedience accomplishes great things in your hands. Thank you, Father, for teaching us in your word today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.